Principal Matters Podcast, episode 333. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about understanding chat GPT with my special guest, Nahid Bardai. Principal Nahid Bardai is principal of UWC Atlantic and arrived in South Wales in August, 2021 from Upper Canada College in Toronto, where he was head of upper school for six years. Before that, he served as Dean of Students and Senior School Principal during his 10 years at Aga Khan Academy in Mombasa, Kenya. For Nahid, education is a deeply moral endeavor and the exercise of leadership demands a thoughtful, ethical foundation. His own rests on the tenets of pluralism, integrity, generosity, and trust. He holds a bachelor's degree in business administration from the Western University, Canada, a bachelor's degree in education from the University of British Columbia, Canada, master's of arts from the Institute of Education, University College, London, UK, and master's of educational leadership from Teachers College, Columbia University in the U.S. Nahid. Bardai, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. I always like to ask, can you fill in the gaps on that intro and maybe tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you? <laughs> well, thank you so much for the warm uh, the warm welcome. And uh, that was a great, a great bit of introduction, uh, at least. And, you know, what's what's um, what perhaps is a bit more about uh, about me is uh, deeply connected to the history of my family, you know, and so obviously my you know, my grandparents uh, uh, immigrated from India to uh, to East Africa, and my uh, and my parents then from East Africa to Canada, and that's how I ended up there and born in, in in Toronto, Canada. And for me, that's uh, that's an important part because my parents helped to shape me who I am today, and I wouldn't be in education uh, if it wasn't for their particular emphasis on learning and education as being part of a, a lifelong journey. And so I'm ever indebted to to my to my parents. Well, there's so much that I want to talk about in this conversation that we have, and we may not have time to get through every question in my mind, but first of all, let me set a little context for Principal Matters listeners, because one of my, one of our listeners reached out to me and asked if I was familiar with the work that you had done recently in a webinar that you had led on understanding chat GPT. And so that's the conversation, the conversation that, that we're going to be having in just a few minutes, but before we go there, can you give a brief summary of your work at UWC Atlantic and some examples of some of the unique offerings there that listeners may want to know more about? Mm -hmm. So uh, UWC Atlantic is a 60-year-old institution, fascinating, founded by uh, educationalist and philosopher uh, Kurt Hahn uh, back in 1962. It's located in a uh, 11th century castle on the uh, Bristol Channel in uh, in Wales, a beautiful spot, um, you know, 125 acres of, 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 of land full of lots of biodiversity and opportunity for students to learn on the land, which is an important part of what we do here, um, founded on the premise of helping to bring about greater world peace during the Cold War. The idea of bringing people from across political, ideological, military boundaries to come together in the same place, uh, students age 16 to 19. So intentional diversity across 
boundaries that perhaps otherwise would not be crossed, bringing youth together to be able to learn together, experience together, known in the early days for its uh, rescue services on the Bristol Channel, saving people from the water, um, life-saving, uh, 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 from cliff, cliff rescuing, and then service in the community in many ways would, would consider this school being the pioneer of the, the notion of service in schools. Uh, it was also one of the founding schools of the International Baccalaureate, which is um, one of the widest used um, international curricula in, in, in the world. Um, if we fast forward towards today, 100 and, uh, you, you know, 100 and some odd countries in the world, um, about 80 of them represented through students here um, at the college, selected through tremendous um, source of, of volunteers who are alumni across what is the UWC movement. There's 18 schools worldwide, but the Atlantic College is uh, the founding one, the one that I'm at at this moment in time, and, uh, and really just helping to create a, a better and more peaceful world that is really focused on sustainability. Um, so that's a bit of a, in a nutshell, about uh, the college that I'm at and feel very fortunate and honored to be a principal of. Well, I am fascinated to learn even more. So what what is the the populations that you guys have right there? What, how many students are you serving? And, and are, are all of them or most of them resident? Uh, so we are a full boarding school. We have about uh, this moment in time, 100 and sorry, 360 students at the college. I think one of the most interesting things for me is that while I've spoken a bit about the national diversity, which is great, um, it also comes with tremendous linguistic diversity, uh, but also socioeconomic. So about 50% of our students are in some degree of funding uh, at the college, and that comes with the generosity of our alumni and parents, past parents, foundations that support the college to enable students from around the world to be able to access the college regardless of their financial means. Wow. Well, Nahid, you know, I'm a very curious person, so I'm probably going to have to circle back later and ask you even more questions about your school. But thank you so much for taking the time today to step into this conversation. And um, I do have to pause and say that with 80 countries represented, um, and you already said the, 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 the linguistic challenges, and I'm sure also the cultural opportunities, um, You in your bio, you mentioned your commitment to to pluralism, integrity, generosity, and trust. And so I imagine when you are leading a school community with that much diversity, um, that you have to have a commitment to pluralism because you're not just training students from the same community, you're training students from 80 communities. <laughs> and, and totally different worldviews and life experiences. And so it's a tremendous joy. And part of the Part of the challenge as a leader is to think about when you have that kind of diversity. We know in our world that um, diversity, uh, while you want it to channel to the positive, if the systems and structures aren't in place, can also channel in the other direction. You can you can get isolation, you can get fear, you can get sometimes violence, right? That comes from um, uh, diversity, you know, not harnessed well without systems and structures and processes in place to really allow it to generate to the positive. And so uh, that's for me is one of the core skills as a leader is thinking about how do you ensure that um, in the community that, you know, you have leadership over, how is it that you're allowing that um, diversity to channel to the positive by design uh, and not by accident? Wow, that is, that is so fascinating. You are an international school leader. I mean, you've you've lived in a lot of different places. And so later in the show, I want to come back to that conversation. But for the topic at hand, a lot of school leaders have recently become aware of chat GPT. And this is where I became connected to your work because recently you had led a webinar just to, you know, helping people understand in school leadership, this latest AI software that's 
in some ways assisting, but in some ways disrupting the way that we interact with information and content creation and potential learning. And so for those who are new to the technology, can you first give an overview for school leaders on ChatGPT and the effects that you see, the, the potential effects that, that it has on student learning? Mm -hmm. So I'll do my best because I'm not an expert in it by any means, but I'm uh, very interested and have been interested in, in, in AI and its development and its application education for a number of years. Uh, so ChatGPT probably represents the most um, um, simple way of engaging with AI to date for the average person, uh, including students and including educators. And essentially what it does is through um, billions of, 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 of data inputs uh, is able to, in the sort of most sophisticated way possible to date, predict um, essentially natural language processing and what 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 next word flows from the previous one in a coherent um, sort of thoughtful kind of way and it's it's as much as the power of the technology as it is i think the interface that has been created albeit as simplistic as it is at this moment in time um, that allows it to be so accessible to people and what is really unique about it is that from a say from a, from a language processing standpoint it really allows for um, coherent, uh, one may even argue, thought um, to be um, put down into very well-versed phrases and sentences, and indeed, ultimately, essays, if you want. Uh, and so what it, what it represents is a real sort of step change in the way in which the public is able to access artificial intelligence for language use. Um, and of course, what is really then new about that is oftentimes people think of um, philosophy or literature or language and literature as being domains that uh, perhaps may be relatively safe from artificial intelligence. Maybe people, people think that the sciences or the mathematics, which are more kind of um, logic-based or formulaic as being, uh, you know, areas where you can more easily apply AI. And, and this, of course, is showing us a, a, a different realm of potential. Um, and so a lot of the conversation that I've come across uh, around uh, chat GPT, a lot of it has been uh, fear-based, not all, but a lot of it has come from a place of what are we going to lose through this? And that's real for educators today, for teachers who are locked into a system that is based on this idea of, to some degree, trust, right? That the trust that the student, what they produce, they say they have produced, and the teacher awarding them some sort of grade or uh, you know ranking, whatever it may be that exists in our world around school settings, but then also the trust then that what the teacher presents to their governing authority or through the authority that grants a high school qualification is also based on that legitimacy that we're saying that we have between acknowledging that the student has real work to then transferring to the school's reputation to then some sort of other authority that grants that high school qualification, which then transfers to the trust that a university or post-secondary institution may have that what is coming through that pipeline is legitimate and fair based on this ground of authentic student work. And so we're locked into this system where, where that sort of authenticity is paramount. And when you then have some sort of software that comes along that can potentially challenge that authenticity, it's, it's right that it strikes a bit of worry and, and fear um, on that level. But then also for some educators and many educators, it's about a fear of loss of students, you know, independent thinking sometimes or independent um, writing and those kinds of things. So I think it comes from a, the, the, the place that it comes from is real and genuine. And that poses part of the challenge that we have as leaders into how we help to, to, to manage that. Um, 
but at the same time comes with tremendous opportunity. So let's stay there for a few minutes so that listeners, most listeners are probably by this point, when this recording comes out sometime in March, um, we've been several months into the new year. And for a lot of leaders, chat GPT became, at least in my, it became, came to my attention at the beginning of this new calendar year, even though it's been something that's been talked about for months and months, because suddenly it's beginning to show up in student work. It's beginning to show up in the content created uh, in the ads that we're reading in some of the literature that we're reading. And so um, for, for those of us that are new to this technology, explain how, what are the, what are the advantages and the obstacles that you anticipate in the way that that G, chat GPT could be used among students or teachers? Hmm. So I guess I'll start by framing it as what the technology is today, I believe, is going to be nowhere near what it is a year or two years from now. Mm -hmm. But we're just the very beginning stages. And I think that we don't even know yet what we don't know in terms of its applications and challenges and power as we go forward. Um, but at the moment, what I think are some of the some of the challenges um, really sit around deciding the ways in which we either embrace, integrate, or indeed as some districts have done, or in some states even have done, and cities have done, depending on the kind of parameters or the jurisdiction that that uh, local authorities have, um, rejected and 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 sort of for now outlaw, you know, outright sort of banned it, right? Um, and so, and so I think the first challenge is wrestling with the way in which uh, a school sits vis-a-vis -vis the technology. Um, and of course, the immediate instinct around the challenges is then the ways in which students will access and use the technology to have it supplement, augment, support the work that students will do. And of course, the biggest fear and, and reality, because we've seen it already begin to happen, right, is that students uh, at times will uh, use ChatGPT to create work based on a prompt that you may enter into it. And what you can also do is finesse the prompt, right? So you can give a prompt uh, to ChatGPT, for example, for it to, to write a, you know, five paragraph essay um, about, uh, you know, the, the history of the Cold War, for example, and it will produce something. And then you can go back and say, okay, um, add in what it meant to be a, a, a country that was non-aligned to either of the of the sides of the Cold War and integrate that perspective, you know, into the essay, and it'll go back and rewrite that for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can, you know, potentially give that to another human being to read, and for them to give qualitative written feedback on it, whether it be a teacher or somebody else, and then give the chat GPT that same feedback that has been given, and ask it to now revise the piece of writing on that feedback, and it'll do that for you. Um, and so, and so the ability for it to, to learn and to develop based on input is tremendous. And so, and so that, that in some circles poses a real challenge, right, to, to authenticity of student work, um, while at the same time presents a potential opportunity, right, um, a way in which to uh, uh, have students learn about how ways in which they can ask and frame better questions, to be critical about what is produced, and to be able to, in many ways, become fact checkers of what is produced by an AI that OpenAI acknowledges 
um, uh, can have errors because of the data set that it's built on and the way in which it currently operates. It, for example, doesn't access the internet right in real time. Mm -hmm. uh, it does not do that yet. Um, and so, and so, and it's only programmed up until 2021. So there are going to be gaps in its, in its sort of knowledge and ability to produce truth. And so there's opportunities for a different kind of learning to take place with what is created. Um, but that probably for the most part, I think sits at the core of what is the dominant challenge in education today around it. I do too. And, and I want to pause for a second and put it back on my um, former teaching hat because I was a language arts instructor at the high school level for several years before I stepped into school principalship. And um, and by the way, this is not a prescription for others listening to this. This is Will being curious and trying to decide how would I want to interact with this new kind of AI software if I was in a classroom with students today. And I, I'm just going to tell you, um, Principal Nahid, that one of the things that I've thought about is, um, well, first of all, I would want to access this software to, to trial it with my students. The problem is that, like you said, most schools are blocking the software. So it's not even, in some places it's open, in some places it's being blocked. But if I had access to this with a group of students, um, and this is just will the curious teaching will uh, I would I would invite them to with guidance to choose a topic that we could all uh, have as a as a classroom idea maybe something we've just read together in literature maybe a question that we're trying to ask and have them generate through Chat GPT a piece of writing maybe five points proving a, uh, an idea or maybe have it create a paragraph or an essay and then. As a teacher of writing, I would ask them now we're going to we're going to print these out and I want you to get your highlighters and pencils and we're going to let's begin to dissect the kind of writing quality that we're looking at. Are we seeing complex sentences? Are we finding accuracy in what we're in what we're seeing here? Are there things in here that you can tell were generated without truth? And I would invite them to to analyze for themselves the the advantages and the disadvantages of of this generated content, because you and I both know we can, like you said earlier, we can embrace it, we can integrate it, or we can ban it, but we're not going to, uh, it's not going away. And so I, I'm just trying to think of as, as educators, how can we help navigate our fellow educators to help students understand, just like with all the other technologies we have in the world, how to become um, better discerners of how to use it. So I'm sure I'm very naive in terms of of the difficulties and challenges that this is going to create for all of my fellow English teachers because I was I struggled as an English teacher to always know when something was authentic or plagiarized. But in cases like this, I'm just really curious um, other ways that uh, educators can can navigate, integrate, um, and embrace without banning because I'm not sure that banning is students have figured out. Uh, very quickly, how to get around bans. And so any thoughts you want to add to that? Yeah, well, I think the example that you've given is a, is a great one of the way in which, you know, you would consider, um, you know, integrating it in. And I think if we start with the premise that, as you say, this technology is not going to go away. And if we thought it's powerful today, wait till we see it two years from now, mm -hmm. right? You know, what it's going to be able to, to do. And so, you know, for me, what it does is it points to... Um, for me, a fundamental challenge in education. 
Um, and so that I think, well, that's probably a conversation for another time. Um, we, we, we can't ignore that part of what is causing upset right now around it is rooted in, in perhaps what is an antiquated model of education that, to be straight, hasn't changed in a century, right? In, in material, material, substantive terms for the core of an educational experience for an average student, where you're locked into what is largely a uh, teacher assessed, often standardized style curriculum, exam driven um, type, of, type of learning, which um, one may argue, or I would argue, is unfit for our current day and time. And so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a on as a side project, I'm a big proponent of sort of educational reform in a pretty significant way. Um, but, but so, I think thinking about assessment and the ways in which we think about what we're trying to assess and how we assess and the ways in which we're able to take technology like this and integrate it directly into our forms of learning. So how is it that we can ask ChatGPT, for example, to uh, create an essay for us on the very prompt that we would normally have done in class, but then um, turn into the assessor. So ask the student to now actually, with the rubric that's provided or whatever the assessment criteria is, go away and mark that, that piece of work that ChatGPT has created and create a strong you know, 300 or 400 word justification as to why it is that the award has been graded and how would you give feedback to areas of improvement and you know those kinds of things. So, so for me at a very basic level, it's about rethinking about assessment and how just like you know when the internet came along a couple of decades ago, um, how did we change the way in which we thought about research and how did we change the way in which we thought about how to use it as a platform upon which we build upon um, and how do we think of chat GPT or other artificial intelligence uh, in a similar kind of in a similar kind of way. And just to give a bit of a sense of the way that I've tried to handle it here at our school this moment in time, is we said, look, we need to start with some dialogue. So what we've done is create a committee of uh, myself, other uh, pedagogical leaders in the school, a couple of teachers, and four or five students. And we've created a committee and we've said, okay, how are we going to give guidance to our community around the ways in which we can use and integrate ChatGPT? And we've started off with a sort of a philosophical set of guiding principles. And we've started that way because the guiding principles are, are going to sort of be our, our North Star, if you will. Because I believe that whatever it is that we arrive at as sort of quote unquote rules or prescriptions or guidance, they're going to change every couple of months because of how quickly the technology is changing, but also because we don't know what we don't know about how it's going to be applied and how it's going to be used. And that's going to evolve over the next three months, six months, one year. And so after starting with those sets of guiding principles, we then moved into now advice for students and then advice for, for educators about how and ways in which we can use this. Um, and so the benefits, you know, which we haven't yet touched on, are pretty tremendous from a student learning standpoint. In our case here, I've got 60% of my students who are non-English um, native speakers. And so for them, half of the anxiety around learning is around the English language itself. And so how can ChatGPT be used in domains where language is not being assessed? How can they use the technology to smooth out their language so that, it's, so that their ideas come across more easily through the written language of English? Should they be penalized because their ideas are good, but they can't express it well in English if they're writing for an economics class where on the rubric, there actually isn't uh, grades being awarded for the use of English language? So the benefit there is tremendous. The ability to curate um, uh, information in a really easy way to ask ChatGPT to give five articles 
that are you know, highly relevant in a particular academic domain is amazing. For it to be able to synthesize information in a digestible way for the purposes of revision or study or augmentation of, of, of what may happen in the classroom is tremendous. So opportunities are, are, are there. Um, but what we're also asking ourselves is what does this mean for educators? And not just in the way that I think most of the discourse is happening now about how can educators change their assessment or how can they catch students better or those kinds of things. How can educators actually also use chat GPT? So how can they use it to lesson plan, um, to, to gather information in domains where they themselves may not have as much information? Um, and then questions that we're going to be confronted with, because ChatGPT for the average Northern Hemisphere school came out at a time when reporting cycles were done. How do we feel about ChatGPT writing the report card comment for students? How do we feel about that? How would a student or a family feel about knowing that their, their teacher used ChatGPT to write the report card comment? Is that something that we need to surface and talk about as schools? What about university reference letters for students? Because ChatGPT can do that too. Um, so, so there's all kinds of domains that even I think for educators, we need to give guidance on um, as well as for, for students. And so that's what we're looking to do now as a school, acknowledging that probably in three months time, I'm gonna have to go back and revisit that same guidance and probably change it again. Support for Principal Matters comes from Summer Pops Math Workbooks. Here's a question for my listeners in elementary and middle schools. How are your students practicing their math skills over the summer? Recently, I was asked to look over the Summer Pops series. So with the help of my wife, some of you know, a former middle school math teacher, we looked over the workbooks ourselves and she loved them. We found Summer Pops to be an engaging workbook that would provide students with math practice over the summer that is easy to use and content rich. But you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out for yourself. Go to summerpopsworkbooks.com and request your own sample workbooks. If you're looking for a cost-effective and research-based strategy to improve student math skills, consider joining other high-performing schools and offering Summer Pops to your students. Review it for yourself or pass it along to your math department. Either way, spring is right around the corner. So request your sample workbook at summerpopsworkbooks.com today. Support for Principal Matters comes from Peer Driven PD. Let me paint a picture for you and see if you can relate. You look at your calendar and you see it's time to prep for your next PD day. And you know that you and your teachers have a lot of shared knowledge and experience, but wouldn't it be nice to have a gold mine of high quality PD at your fingertips so that your teachers could access it at any time and anywhere? Well, there is some help. Go to peerdrivenpd.com and find a library of films with some of the best teachers in the country talking about their tips and techniques that really work in real classrooms. This isn't just engaging for your teachers and helpful for you. It's really strong content that's going to increase student learning and improve relationships with kids. So if you want your teachers to love their PD and learn strategies that are tested and proven by their peers in real classrooms, visit peerdrivenpd.com to request a quote today. Be sure to let them know that Principal Matters sent you and Mike will include a package of complimentary resources specifically for administrators. That's peerdrivenpd.com. Well, the funny thing is, is even as we're recording this, um, you and I are talking in February of 2023, and this will come out sometime in March of 2023. 
And I have lots of listeners who will um, sometimes go back into the archives of my show. And so I'm already, is someone right now who's listening to our voice who may come across this six months from now is probably going, wow, you guys had no idea what you're talking about because of how much it's changed. <laughs> it's just six months. But but while exactly. we're here in the moment, Nahid, well, you and I are, um, because we don't get to switch universes in this moment, but in the in the universe in which you and I live right now, um, I, I just want to say a few things, summarize a few things that I just think were so powerful of what you said. Um, and this is just this is just the way Will talks. Um, it helps me to to think out loud. First of all, what an amazing opportunity for your leadership because your school is really like a microcosm of what's happening around the world. You have so many different languages and students from so many different parts of the world sitting in one community, not just navigating what, quote unquote, a normal school year, but now navigating something that is stepping in through technology that creates uncertainty. And so, first of all, I just want to commend you for pulling together uh, com your community of teachers and students to begin that dialogue. And I, I want to repeat a few things that you said just for Principal Matters listeners, because I'm a note taker. And I, I want to just repeat back some important points you made. Number one was trying to ask the question, how will we guide our community, which leads you to what principles are we all committed to? in that guidance, which then informs what advice are we giving to one another in the use of this. And then asking, giving yourself permission to be, to explore, you know, how can this actually assist us in learning and synthesizing information or in teaching, creating lesson plans or researching information. And then those big questions of like, well, how, what are the implications of the use of this? If, if, the, if we can use these to write report card comments or university reference letters, or I'm even thinking generating a school newsletter um, content that I could go back later and, and edit. You know, so there's just so many possibilities of where this could go. Um, and so, uh, so thank you for the way that you're that you're um, guiding your school community, and also for what you're doing right now, modeling this for other listeners who may be trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing themselves. Anything you want to add to that before I switch gears? Because I do want to wrap up with some conversation about some of your own experience in leadership. Mm -hmm. No, I think I think you summarized it really well. And just to give you a sense of some other use cases, uh, you know, from a, from a, from a school side. So I guess as an independent school, we probably have a slightly different needs and those kinds of things. But philanthropy, of course, of ours being a, a prominent one, as it will be for many schools in the U.S. as well. And um, and so you know, for example, being able to to write donor cases for support, for example, you know, uh, uh, on the HR side, uh, I, I recently had ChatGPT write for me an interview guide and then assessment rubrics to go along with each of the questions that I've asked and asking it to highlight the competencies for me that I'm assessing through these interview questions and, and then giving me the, the scoring rubric alongside of it. Right. So so um, all kinds of applications that will just continue to surface more and more over time as people uh, begin and, and work more with the technology. Oh, my gosh. Well, my your my mind is exploding right now with ideas of ways that we can begin to, to leverage this. Well, Principal Nahid, as we wrap up, uh, you've been a leader who has had so much experience in in many different settings and places and internationally. And so before I lose this opportunity, what, what lessons or ideas in leadership, um, because I have a lot of listeners who listen to this program that are aspiring leaders and some uh, are veteran and experienced leaders. But I just wanted to ask you this question as we're wrapping up, as you think about 
the concept of of leading in a school. What are some some ideas that you have gleaned in your experience, even uh, stepping into the work that you're doing today? Mm-hmm. So I guess I, you know, I've been really fortunate in my in my life to be able to to do what I've done, and I love doing what I do. Um, some things that I've that I've really learned, you know, um, one is that as long as I have energy from students, then I'm in the right place. Um, and as long as being in a school and 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 really loving the uh, opportunity to not only help to shape, but more importantly to learn from the students that I work with, that's how I know um, I'm still in the right role. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I would say is that leading a school for me is one of the most deeply moral endeavors that you could possibly have. And I remember a point in time when I was maybe in my early thirties and I really felt like, okay, I'm, I'm almost, I feel like I'm ready to leave, leave school. I'm in my kind of mid forties now. Um, and, and, and then I had a moment where I sort of paused and said, you know, I, I just don't think I've had enough life experience. I'm not, I, I'm not wise enough to be the sort of a moral, like a moral guide in a, in a, in a, in a community, you know, that looks to that, especially in a residential school um, that looks for that. Um, and so, and so I really felt it to be a, a, one of the most strongly sort of moral endeavors. And I don't necessarily mean that in any kind of, you know, dogmatic kind of way. Um, it's just that the being principled in what we do cannot be, cannot be underestimated um, when you're, when you're helping young people to find their way in a complex world. Um, I'd say another learning for me is that schools are complex systems-driven organisms and to understand the complexity of systems and to be a good systems thinker and designer is so important in in helping to generate uh, productive outcomes for as many people as possible because in any system there are people who are going to be disadvantaged by that system and if you can recognize where those sort of weaker points are and at the human level where individuals will, exper- will experience the system in a disadvantaged way compared to others you can then design the system better for better outcomes for more people or in a more equitable or equal kind of way and so um, I think def- re- refining a skill set around systems is, is important. Um, and, and the last one I would say is really around um, compassion and leading from a compassionate standpoint, because leading a school and education is, is um, not only one of the most deepest moral endeavors, it's also one of the most deepest human endeavors. And all the beauty that comes with um, having the privilege of working with tremendous groups of human beings in schools. And for me, compassion has to sit at the core of that because um, we know that you can do all that you want to pretend like you've taught students what you want to teach them or, or lead teach them what you want to lead them. Um, but unless, unless they um, are operating in a um, emotionally safe place, unless we're trying to cater for their most basic needs at that level, we know that people cannot learn and grow um, in their most optimal way. And I think compassion is is something that as leaders, we can help to build and enculturate in an organization. And I think it's our responsibility to do so, especially when we are nurturing um, young people um, through their through their life journey, which is never simple. Well, Principal Matters listeners, I want to encourage you right now, if you're listening to this podcast, to pause. And then I want you to rewind 
to the last three minutes. And I want you to listen to that again, because Principal Nahid, that is, um, thank you for the reminders of why our leadership is so important. And because I can't help it, I'm just always a teacher. I want to repeat some things I heard you say, which is one, leading, knowing you're in the right place means recognizing that we have to stay connected to the energy of the students that we're leading. Are you finding joy where you are in leadership? Because if you are, you're probably in the right place. And if you're not finding joy, you need to reconnect with that joy. Two, that leading is a deeply moral endeavor. Wow. Thank you for that reminder. It is not a title. It is, it is a calling. It is, it's an, it's, there's a purpose involved in it that is so much deeper than just um, a qualification. Um, Three, that schools are complex systems, and ultimately your job as a leader is to determine how within that system to create as much equity as possible for those you're serving. And then four, that compassion is the core of leadership so that we, if we don't create safe environments, if students don't feel safe, they don't learn. And neither do our teachers and neither do our community members. And so Wow. Thank you so much for um, just wrapping up today's conversation about something so technological, but then bringing it back to how do we even guide the most complex conversations about things like chat GPT in a way that is deeply human. And so thanks for connecting both of those truths um, together, Principal Nahid. Any parting words of thoughts before we leave? And how can leaders stay connected with you if they want to reach out and, and, uh, and correspond or find out more about you? Yeah, no, thank you for that. And I just really appreciate your um, your reflections as well. And um, uh, you're really good at what you do. <laughs> um, I, I would say that uh, that um, for 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 me, um, I'm I am um, deeply interested in in um, what the what the future looks like for education. And uh, as a as a school, we're currently engaging in some really pioneering work around systems transformation uh, education and helping students learn how to be um, really sort of architects of systems transformation in the spaces of, of peace and sustainability in the world. Um, and for me, I see AI having a significant future um, in that. Uh, and uh, you know, for me, if people want to stay connected, I would love to do that, whether it be on the basis of tech and, and education or about what the future of education should look like. And probably LinkedIn is maybe the best way, um, but also my my email, I'm, I, I do my best to respond. And so it's uh, nahid.bardai at uwcatlantic.org. Um, I'm very happy to connect with, um, with others uh, from around the globe. Well, Principal Nahid Bardai, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to get to know you. And best wishes on the new year ahead for your students. And thank you for the way that you're contributing back to this community of leaders, not just in your own community, but now uh, through this relationship with uh, Principal Matters listeners. But until next time, thank you for the work that you do in Principal Matters listeners. Thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you again next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com. Check out the services link on williamdparker.com to learn more about leadership academies, mastermind offerings, and executive coaching. If you're planning professional development for the year ahead, or you're looking for keynote presentations from any of my books, please email me at will at williamdparker.com. Thank you for learning together today, and thanks again for doing what matters.